Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. On this week's episode, we have Justin and Lauren. This week's episode is all about pain of different types and sorts, how we can use pain from speed bumps to actually help us diagnose and identify issues inside of us. Plus, how do you measure pain from things like bee stings and insect bites? Don't worry, both things can be solved by the winners of the Ig Nobel Prizes for 2015. So my sister was giving me a lift to work the other day. Yep. Um, she's like on our learners, but she's about to go for a license and it's super exciting. Um, but we were driving to work and we just were going down the street that had a million speed bumps. And I was just really stressed out because I thought I was going to get to work late and the speed bumps were just taking forever to go over and they're just, you can't concentrate on reading or doing anything because they're just so annoying. Yeah, and look, speed bumps are just uh, are a great method of controlling traffic speed mm-hmm. and making sure that everyone's driving at a safe speed and distance. But you know, around your house, there's heaps of speed bumps. And, you know, there are all shapes and sizes and cause all kinds of bumps and pains, and they can be a real pain in the backside. I mean, they're great if you're in an action movie and you need some kind of ramp to just, like, launch off of, but that doesn't really happen that much in real life. No, no, and if you did use a speed bump to launch off a ramp, you may find yourself outside of a hospital with more pains in more ways, more ways than one. And it leads into something very, very interesting, and what won the Ig Nobel Prize in 2015 for medicine. So besides with traffic, what can speed bumps help us with? Well, for many years now, doctors have been using speed bumps as a kind of diagnostic method for trying to tell if you have appendicitis. Wait, really? Doctors have just been using speed bumps as diagnostic tools for appendicitis. Yeah, because look, appendicitis can present weirdly. It's kind of hard to tell because the appendix doesn't really do a hell of a lot. It's kind of also really difficult to make sure that you know it it is the one causing the problems because you know it's not like with your if your lungs are failing you, you will have difficulty breathing clear correlation you can be like okay it's a lung issue so they have always had these different tests for trying to figure out you know if you've got issues with particular organs and one of the tests that they've just been going to be like folklore not folklore but a common method has been driving over speed bumps and if you feel acute pain often when you're driving over speed bumps it used to in they used it as a well that's that's maybe a strong chance that you've got appendicitis and let me repeat here, this was not evidence-based. There was no, like, r- real studies showing that that was the case. They just sort of co- correlated it. Yeah, there was some kind of correlation of, this is commonly happening, and people also commonly have appendicitis when this is happening, therefore, maybe? Yeah, and so, like, look, if if it come, if they pass that test, then I guess it's something you should look into. And, look, researchers from the University of Oxford and Stoke Mandeville Hospital had enough. They were just sick of this, like, nonsense science being passed around. And, like, we actually need a real test for appendicitis, guys. Let's come up with one. And and they turned to the starting point of something they already knew a lot about, which was obviously speed bump correlation with appendicitis. So how did they hardcore science this appendicitis speed bump myth? Well, they had to turn to... Uh, basically a study with 100 patients who were referred to the hospital with suspected appendicitis. So basically, in 2012, they started conducting the studies with people aged 17 to 76 years of age. And basically, when they drove them over speed bumps, 
<laughs> if they were suspected of having appendicitis as they came in, and they were classed as speed bump positive if they had worsening pain whilst travelling over the speed bumps, or speed bump negative if their pain stayed the same. And if they're unsure of their pain improved, all patients were then questioned within 24 hours of their journey to the hospital, just to sort of get a baseline on it. Okay, so what exactly did they find from this? So, which, you know, that's all pretty standard good scientific method. So what they found is that 64 patients who travelled over speed bumps on their way to the hospital, so out of the 100 that came in, 64 of them had gone over speed bumps to get into the hospital. And of those, 54 of them, 84%, were speed bump positive. But then how many of those actually had appendicitis? Right, and that's, that's the important part here because, you know, not all of them were, they were only suspected of appendicitis. So 34 of the 64 who presented for appendicitis and drove over speed bumps, so we're sort of narrowing down the group now, only 34 of them actually had appendicitis, right? So, <laughs> so we're sort of winnowing down the numbers here. And 33 of them had, with appendicitis, the 33 that had appendicitis... Out of that, so out of the 34 people that had appendicitis, 33 of them had worse pain over speed bumps. Wow. So it, so it actually worked. It, it actually worked. So, um, but look, there was a bit of a false positive. Seven patients who were speed bump positive didn't have appendicitis. But they, you know, they had other big problems like ruptured ovarian cysts or diverticulosis with basically bulging pouches or sacs in, in the large intestine. So they had other, you know, internal organ issues. Mm-hmm. But basically, out of the 34 that came in who drove over speed bumps, um, 97% of them had actual appendicitis. And there was a few others that had other issues, but that meant it was actually a pretty damn good diagnostic for at least some type of internal problem. So we, do we figure out why exactly it is that speed bumps cause this? Yeah, so... Basically, the the conclusion of the research is that the increase in pain over speed bumps is associated with the likelihood of is tied to acute appendicitis. That well, it doesn't sound like they've actually found out why exactly going over a speed bump is a good indication of appendicitis. Whether it's like the sharp up and down motion and the physics and stuff just jostling, causing a worsening pain. That that research still needs to go ahead. But for now. All we know is that asking some patients whether their pain is worsened over going speed bumps on the way into hospital could actually help with diagnosing appendicitis. And if there's any false positives, it chances are there may be something else going on there that's also worth checking out, which mm-hmm. goes a long way to help doctors actually get to the root cause of some of these acute issues like acute, pensati- like acute appendicitis. Now, Obviously, we could also go on later on to further study this topic to maybe answer the question of maybe the speed or the manner of driving or the, even the approach, if you like launch over them like an action movie star, maybe that will help or hurt the appendicitis. But for now, at least we've got a good test and maybe they should make the ambulance drive over some speed bumps if you've got appendicitis on the way into hospital.
Now, when you experience something that's really painful, maybe uh, the bite of something sharp like an ant, or maybe the sting of a bee, it, it's really hard to quantify because to me, man, that really hurt, but explaining pain to someone else is really tough. In medicine, this is a huge problem. There are many defined pain scales from the 0 to 10 scale or the happy, this certain level of faces scale. And doctors use this a lot to try and gauge the level of pain and discomfort that pa- patients are in. And this is useful, really useful to, for medical application to help understand the responses and the issues that people are dealing with for what is often a very personal topic. But the Ig Nobel Prize for 2015 for this year in two areas, physiology and entomology, brought the study of bugs and insects to bear on this problem of pain and physiological response in really only the logical conclusion for this. So what actually happened here, Justin? Well, there's two two different researchers here, very brave or foolish researchers. Um one named Justin Schmidt from in the United States and Canada, who painstakingly created the Schmidt Sting Pain Index, which relates the pain people feel when stung by various insects to various parts of the body. And Michael L. Smith, who worked in the US and the UK, and the Netherlands primarily is his main hub, um, for carefully arranging for honeybees to sting him repeatedly on 25 different locations on his body to learn which locations are the least painful and which are the most painful. All I have to say is what bed did he lose to be stuck with that job? <laughs> well, look, it's, it's, it's something that's a serious issue because, you know, bees are something that people can often be very allergic to. Um, and, and really, uh, every other type of, type of insect that uses a... Um, uh, a type of insect, a type of insect venom. It's sort of very important that the, the responses, the physiological responses bodies have to that venom, needs to be studied in a lot of detail because this can help people who with deathly allergic reactions to them. So it's not necessarily, you know, that you know you, you you study it because you lose a bet, but it's something that could be a matter of life or death for some people. You need to know where is going to be the worst place to stung, and unfortunately, the only way to contest that conclusively is to sting yourself. So how did they exactly do this? Did they um, have something that would simulate a sting? Did they go and get a whole bunch of bees and then just, like, contain <laughs> them like, parts of the body to test? Uh, <laughs> well, the PhD student, Michael Smith, from uh, Cornell University in the States, he basically he got bees. He just got bees and, uh, and coaxed them in to stinging them himself, him in various places. Um, and basically he just exposed those areas to the bees and, and waited for the, for the stinging to happen and then recorded the physiological response when that occurred. And so it was also the monitoring of the, what the actual happens to the body when you're stung there, which is you know really, really important to understand from a physiological perspective. Okay, so what were the least painful locations for him to get stung? Well, you know, it's the least painful locations were the skull, you know, not much skin there, uh, the middle toe tip, which is an odd one because I always found my middle and my toes in general to be very painful when I stubbed them on anything, and the upper arm. And the upper arm is somewhere where you might get stung if you're running away or trying to feverishly hit away, 
That's what way a wasp or a bee. And th- that makes sense. That's good that we're resilient in those places. So don't worry about shoving your head towards a bee. If it's yet stung there, it's not too bad. Okay, then that that indicates the flip side of what are the most painful locations to be stung? Yeah. Well, the most painful locations are the upper lip, which is not only painful because it can make your entire lip swell up, but also inconvenient because it makes eating hard and breathing if it interacts with your nose. But also, um, yes, he tested getting stung on his penis, which would be painful, I would imagine, and also very difficult to explain to anyone what on earth you were doing with those bees. But the most painful place that he got stung, according to his research, was the nostrils. He got stung on the inside of the nostril. Oh, no. He flew up his nose and stung him on the inside of his nostril. And what actually happened is the sting was... His reaction to it was so violent, it included immediately inducing sneezing, tears, and copious flow of mucus as your body freaked out, going, oh my god, I have been, what it, on earth is in my nose causing all this pain? And that is actually pretty much the most violent of the physiological responses, and he described as being the most painful. And he stung himself with a lot of beasts, so I'm willing to believe him when he says that that was the most painful. Suddenly that Nicolas Cage scene seems so much more realistic. I know. It 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 really that's a dedication to your craft and his his PhD defense must go incredibly because everyone's gonna be just like, Well, we can't argue with you. <laughs> if we were arguing with you, well we need to uh, you know then do it ourselves. <laughs> so this is that's one one of the people who won the award. So that was Michael that was Michael Smith from Cornell University in the United States. And hopefully his PhD comes through and rewards him for his efforts. The Schmidt Pain Sting Pain Index is another topic which was also won an award in, the, in this, this dual category, or this combined category. And they used the honeybee as a reference point and came up with a, a, a pain rating um, in a variety of uh, categories as well. So um, he tested over Justin Schmidt, to, to make the Schmidt Sting Pain Index, tested over 78 species of insects, stinging venomous insects, and found, you know, where the most painful are and where the ones that you sort of you want to dig into and do more research on. And it, it's just... It's just crazy. <laughs> uh, I applaud these researchers who are doing a valuable effort for the good of science. And their questions that we all need to know, like, that you know, they're useful answers, but, man... That's not something I would sign up for. (laughs) This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. This week we found out about how pain from speed bumps can help us diagnose appendicitis, as well as measuring pain from insect bugs and stings, and how that was recognised with some Ig Nobel Prizes in 2015. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.